Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. On June 14th, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. Chumbas, and welcome to another installment of Tales from the Forlorn Dopes. I am one of your hosts, Cyber Smiley. Greetings, programs. I am the other host, Wisdom, and I am I am glad to be back. I've got to apologize really quick for the brief hiatus that was entirely on me. Uh, I've been dealing with some uh, some personal issues. Well, it's um, good to have you back, man. It's good to be back. So. Um, what did we, what has happened in the little hiatus we took? So, uh, I think since last you and me talked on this particular channel, uh, Al Tarsurian dropped two new DLCs. Uh, one is, hold on, I should be more prepared. I was doing it prior. Uh, one is the Woodchipper's, uh, Garage. Which introduces more weapons to Cyberpunk Red. Um, yeah, and and the other is salvaging Night City. Yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. I'm wondering if Woodchippers is a, just a preview to uh, what what we can expect from uh, Chrome Black. Uh, that's a, that's probably a pretty good bet. Yeah, I've been listening to some um, interviews with some of the people over at Altar Sarian, specifically uh interview with uh, Jay Gray and Pondsmith and Hunt, and supposedly Chrome Black is coming out soon. But then again, they said that last year, so I think they're waiting for I mean... it's... Right. Yeah, I, I appreciate that they're not actually like throwing out a bunch of information about it because that just. Well, I mean, we also what happened with Cyberpunk uh, twenty seventy seven when it got overhyped and. Yep. Yeah, I think I think everybody. 
in that whole giant extended franchise family has is kind of taking notes from that and like well we're gonna keep things under the shirt until they're actually ready yeah and um and i guess the following supplement is going to be something near to dear to your heart which i think they're calling it chrome rust chrome maybe i don't know but basically it's supposed to be a counterpart to the chrome black and then it's going to be nomad gear yeah yeah i'm uh... I, I, I heard I heard about that. The details are pretty sparse, but I, I gotta say that makes me tingle in in my places. I can understand that, man. Um, um I do wanna take a moment to wish uh Rob Mulligan a happy birthday. Oh. Uh he's he's the guy behind behind uh cybernation uncensored uncensored he's the guy who gives us our platform rob have a happy birthday pal yeah man happy birthday <clears throat> so i also been doing a, a little research into possible cyberpunk media that is going to be coming out this year um so there's been a few things that i've seen cross my path um Besides Edge Runner, which is supposed to be coming out in the summer, there was a movie that came out last month called Expired. Uh, it's with the actor from True Blood, the brother. I forget his name. Yeah, I've got that in my got that in my queue. So there's that that came out. Uh, I gotta figure out how I'm gonna get access to it so I can watch it. Uh, another movie that's slated to come out with uh, John Malkovich is Chariot. Um, I heard about that. Yeah, a story about a corporation and a doctor that oversees the process of reincarnation. And a young man who becomes a glitch in the system when he encounters a woman he loved in a previous life. So corporation and... And uh, reincarnation sounds perfect for cyberpunk. Uh, yeah, that that sounds. Actually, yeah, I think I've I have heard of that um, vaguely, but I, I I know I was I heard about it that concept and was immediately interested. Yeah. Um, so hmm. that'll be interesting. Um, also, something called Crimes of the Future, a deep dive into the not-so-distant future in which hum humankind is learning to adapt to its synthetic surroundings. And this evolution moves humans beyond their natural state into a metamorphosis, which alters their biological makeup. So it sounds like it's a very transhuman yeah, it sounds like it's a bit further down the line than most cyberpunk stuff, but it still still sounds like it's in the genre, just at the at the edge there. So always um, good to pick up like little hints and pieces to add to your game's mm -hmm. flavor. Uh, another movie is yeah, another movie is Spiderhead in the near future. And of course, got whenever whenever there's a movie that says in the near future. You always that always it goes in the queue. Up. Yeah, 
Um, convicts are offered the chance to volunteer as medical subjects to shorten their sentences. One such subject for a new drug capable of generating feelings of love between begins questioning the reality of his emotions. So, sounds like uh, hmm. Biotechnica uh, experimenting on prisoners yeah. with new chemicals. I mean, that definitely sounds cyberpunk. It sounds like on the... Uh... Yeah, that's the 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 low side on the action scale, which is just fine. I mean, uh, a lot of great cyberpunk movies were not action oriented. Uh, I would like, I would very much like to see a cyberpunk romance, to be honest. Mm. Uh, um, something called the Clone Tyrone, which is stars Jamie Fox. Um, the description was just basically it was a government conspiracy, so I don't know if it's necessarily cyberpunk, but conspiracies always add to game flavor. I mean, they're talking about clones. That yeah, that's that's the other thing that <laughs> yeah in the title uh, itself. And you got some rhyming going on in that title, which is usually a good sign that it's going to be a fun. Yeah, a series of eerie events thrusts an unlikely trio onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy in this pulpy mystery caper. Man, that sounds like some science fiction black exploitation to me. Right. I could be wrong, but just from the title, just from the title and that description, that's what that sounds like. And if that's the case, I am so down because cyberfunk should be its own genre. And it should be, it should it should blow up. I mean, um, pictures on the IMDb site definitely looks like a could be cyberpunkish. And to your point, black exploitation, a bit too. Hell yeah! I mean, who doesn't want to see uh, Shaft with cyber arms? This guy that that I want to see that so bad. Oh, your, your wish may come true. Um, supposedly it's coming out this year. doesn't have a date yet. Uh, what else? Oh, Ghost in the Shell, uh, 2045. Uh, that's actually coming out this month on the 23rd, Monday. So in two and a half weeks, we get a, a sequel to figure out what happened to uh, Togasan. And yeah, uh, his it's, uh, disappearance. And you get to see your favorite character again. Oh, I hate her. <laughs> I hate her so bad. It's crazy. As much as I love the Ghost in the Shell franchise, and I've, I've dealt with, I don't, I can't, I've lost track of how many reboots and one shots there have been. Uh, for me, Standalone Complex, well, the original manga and Standalone Complex are you know, the pinnacles of what Ghost in the Shell can be. Everybody goes for the movies, but you know my opinion on that. Mm -hmm. Rehash all that. Uh, I was so excited to see Standalone Complex coming back. Um, and I was even okay with it being CGI. I was okay with that. Uh, that's just the way all Shiro properties go. Um, but yeah, that... I can't even I can't I don't even want to remember her name 
<laughs> but she is just such a worthless Mary Sue. Uh, and it looks like she's even more Mary Sue in, in, in what I've seen from the advertisements for uh, season two. Like, her action prowess is increasing, apparently, which just... I'm going to grumble, grumble like an old man. But she's V before Night City corrupted her. No, because <laughs> V is cool and V is nuanced, or at least my V is. Plus, my main V is a dude, so. Someone's V out there. Although the, the <laughs> run-through I'm doing now, she's definitely a chick. She's a, I'm running cyberpunk with a little uh, street kid net runner. Like she, she never fires a shot except out of boredom. Nice. So, uh, how are you like in uh, 1.5 on your console? Yeah, I'm liking it just fine. Like, I I get that uh, I get that a lot of stuff got nerfed, uh, but you know everything improves so much, and the overall quality of you know like bug elimination and just graphics it more than makes up for for any of that. Like, I can still, with my Nomad character and his pistol, he can still one-shot whatever he needs to fight. I don't need to, like, explode everything in my path for the game to be fun. Yep. Um, And really, with the street kid, like I said, she doesn't fire a shot. She just, like, kills everybody or incapacitates them through hacking them. So, it... haven't run into a problem yet yeah hacking i don't know i think it's a little a little broken um and what you can do right yeah oh it's definitely broken but it's broken i mean it's broken and i'm enjoying exploiting that break but yeah it's definitely broken um every cyber psycho i've come across i can take out in in two maybe three short circuits like i just peek over short circuit to hide again peek over short circuit they fall over they don't even die it's 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 broken um but not as broken as it used to be where i used to be able to just do a system reset on them just one hack and they're done you just fall over well you also have still have suicide um, detonate grenade on the big guys. Suicide doesn't doesn't like they <laughs> shoot true. themselves in the head, but they don't die. So it's a uh, it's fun to make them do. I like I like making people who shoot me. I like making them commit suicide. Or if they if they're scavengers, uh, scabs, uh, or if they've done something heinous, yeah, I make them shoot themselves. I love putting suicide on them. Um, I also love throwing down Cyber Psycho. Cyber Psycho is the most fun thing to watch ever. Because <laughs> not only do they go ape shit and attack their friends, but then at the end they shoot themselves in the head too. So yeah, I don't know if you heard about this, but supposedly, um, oh, what's his name? Saul Pascal. Is that his name? Well, he's I, one of the, know, he's really. one of the lead developers for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Um, oh, that's way too many names for me to try and remember that. Uh, yeah. So 
he was plus doing... I don't even try to pronounce those Polish names. They Yeah. Yeah, so supposedly um he kind of inadvertently possibly leaked some download content that might be coming out soon. Oh really? Um yeah, because while he was streaming Dish that dirt. He had his browser open on screen. Oh. And there's a bunch of tabs. Yeah. And there was a bunch of tabs to things like DC, DLC four um and a few other things that people are definitely thinking, oh there's yeah, DLC four gigs. So Ooh. the possibility of new gigs coming out. Um, but again, it's all. Oh yeah, messy. somebody did say something to me about that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's super exciting. I, I like. I want more gigs, yeah. even if, even if it's just you know to keep the bread buttered until dinner is served with next year's update. Um, the idea that holy shit, that's loud. Sorry, I had to open the door. No problem. That's it. Uh, yeah, I, I butter my bread. The other chatter I've been hearing is that there's probably going to be one more update to come out. <clears throat> and then they're probably not going to do any more until the expansion pack. Uh, which is... I can deal with that. Yeah. I mean, that's probably... If they're going to drop the gigs before the before the actual real DLC next year, I, I can deal with them getting everything taken care of. By all means, do what you have to do, but don't tell me there's only going to be one DLC because that would that would be a bummer. Yeah, and and like if there's a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077, and I know there's always been talk about it, um, possible uh, multiplayer set. You know, the news that they're starting to use Unreal Engine um, and getting away from Red Engine. Yeah, um, makes me feel that I don't know if they're working closely with the Unreal team to try to make the the sequel to Cyberpunk a lot quicker through the development through Unreal Engine. Um, looking at their models, it seems like, and I know prior to last year or when Cyberpunk got released seemed like they mostly concentrated on Witcher and then really ramped up the development to Cyberpunk and it seemed like it was kind of a, a continu- uh, contingency, right? Whereas now it seems yeah, like... Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and now it seems like their model is going to be more in parallel, which is nice. So, hopefully you know, they won't push all their assets into developing the new Witcher, which is supposed to be coming out, um, and then finish that, and then go back to Cyberpunk 27. So it would be nice to see both of them going at the same time. But yeah, interesting. I mean, I very much want a Cyberpunk... I want another, a whole other game. Like, I want the franchise to continue. Yeah, and if they have to, uh, if they're going with the Unreal Engine for that, I mean, sky's really the limit on what that could be. 
Yeah, I, I've been seeing some of the demos of what Unreal Engine can do. The latest version of it. It's amazing. Um, even They even have like a, a demo <coughs> of what they call MetaHuman that you can do online. I um, saw that. Holy shit, is that amazing. Yeah, and supposedly you can do, because it's still in beta, you can actually use it. Um, I think you just have to sign up and you can start playing around with it and making making faces. <laughs> so if you ever uh, want to make a NPC, learn a little bit of this and uh, you can make NPC faces pretty darn quick and real lifelike. I mean, it's going to be a super boon for every player out there who doesn't have artistic quality uh, like to draw or whatever. Yep, they can uh, use the character generators. I mean, I've seen people do that with Cyberpunk 2077 already. Yeah. Uh, especially the guys who have modded computers. Like, my computer won't run shit, but... <laughs> um, I desperately need a new computer. <laughs> I don't know how I'm ever going to afford it, but I desperately need one. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen that quite a bit, actually. So. Uh if that's where CDPR is heading, great. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for it. Um, I'm definitely all for more cyberpunk. Uh, I, I, I'm still waiting with bated breath for multiplayer. I know that there's a large contingent who are all like, keep it single player, keep it single player, just focus on story. And I'm like, that misses the entire point of what cyberpunk is. It's based off a tabletop role-playing game. Like, a single-player tabletop role-playing game doesn't work. Mm. The whole joy of it is playing with your friends. And I desperately want to play Cyberpunk 2077 with my friends. Yeah, especially doing I missions wanna... like extractions or sabotage Dude, and other fun stuff that you I can do. I just want do. to run around the fucking city with my friends and be all like, look at that, look at that, oh. Let's eliminate the all the scavs in this district. Every one of them. Every last dirty, stinking scav out there. Those guys are the worst. The mission where you get boiled on the uh, on the brain dance and wake up in the bathtub and just wreck your vengeance on the scavs, that is, that is one of my favorite missions in the game. Especially if you have... Uh... <clears throat> one of the arm weapons. Who yeah. Care, who or, cares if you're naked? <laughs> just slaughter them. I mean, I just made every single one of like a cyber psycho and, and suicide. Every single one. of <laughs> It was gorgeous. Yeah. You would think the scavs would have uh, taken out those chips, but apparently nah, they, they just left them in, naked and you in the bathtub. Yeah. That wouldn't happen in my game, I can tell you that. <laughs> it's it's not Cyberpunk franchise related, but I do have to mention that the Kickstarter for the Blade Runner RPG just went live. Oh, yeah? Um, I don't know if there's still time to get in on it. Uh, I, can't, I couldn't afford to get in on it. But holy shit, is it one of the most gorgeous 
like the art, the layout, it's just fantastic. Um, oh, I will definitely be getting a copy of that when it comes out. Oh, uh, yeah, holy cow! Yeah. Um, no, I just got to the page and the goal was ten thousand dollars. They're over oh, yeah, a million. Yeah, because it's so fucking gorgeous. And they got two, 20 more days left on it. Excellent. Um, yeah, if you've got some money and you want to throw it towards, you know, making a decent product, the Blade Runner RPG just, it looks fantastic. Uh, they got special dice. I don't like games yeah. special dice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I generally tend to agree, but I'm pretty sure you can just substitute it with whatever you want. Um, speaking of, uh, uh, of special dice, once again, I'm gonna I'm gonna pimp out Rob's uh, uh, Cybernation Uncensored goodie store. Uh, their Kickstarter finished. The everything from there is looking really gorgeous. Um, again, I wish I could have gotten in on that, but. Yeah, life is what it is. What is SE? Uh, magnetic minis. Uh, Rob is mentioning magnetic minis in the chat, and the idea of that just makes me tingle in my giddy places. Yeah, well, since Rob is here, do you have any uh, news on uh, shipping dates yet? Or are you still getting packaging and all that fun stuff done? I have seen the magnetic minis, and they look cool. I, I yes, yes, no. <laughs> the magnetic minis look fantastic, Rob. They just, they just look fantastic. Um, woohoo! You know, you know, Rob. Anytime you want to actually jump in with us and, and pimp some stuff live, you're more than welcome, pal. Uh, I gotta get him added to my channel. <laughs> Surprised that happened. Oh yet. well, there you go. Yeah. Couple of weeks. Couple of weeks is is Yeah, that's fantastic. That is great news. I I want I want those dice boxes. Those things look epic. The dice tower looks really cool, although I've never personally used one, so they're neat. Um and the Cybernation Uncensored one is really cool looking one, so if that's your thing, you go for that. I like the little insert you can put on there with the, yeah. Um, the uh, Cyberpunk Red Combat Zone miniatures game, I'm still getting updates on that. Uh, yep. Apparently, the proofs are showing up in China. Um, so that's getting closer to release. Yes, that's, uh, I am definitely looking forward to to actually have <clears throat> the because uh, I wasn't I back in the day I was too poor to for the grenadier uh, miniatures so my my spending habits were limited to what do I get this book or do I get the miniatures right yeah luckily I've been 
there was a there was a space of about five years after after the last after v3 got released and before anybody said anything about a video uh, the video game there was a space of about five years where all that shit was dirt cheap and over that five years i managed to pretty much complete the miniatures collection i've now got like three uh three uh, three set three copies of each of the box sets uh i can send some to you nah that's fine uh no offense but these new ones look a lot better than uh i mean the truth is is as cool as those old miniatures are like the detail on them like they don't age well yeah i'm pretty sure there's still lead in those fucking miniatures uh dude i still have some D D lead hanging around um, lead pewter I mean they're really soft and uh, yep they they have not aged well and if they got bumped there's a good chance you're going to lose some details yeah that, that reminds me I so back with um, Ralph Partha I remember there was a they had a promotion which if you got like this gold-plated orc in one of your sets, you could win an ounce of gold. Um, oh shit! Yeah, and I got the gold orc. Didn't win the ounce of gold though. Would have helped back then, but honestly, I mean, just that gold orc is is probably probably, probably worth. I have no idea about where the it same is. in a collector's market. Oh yeah. Um. um I recently went to the storage unit after the robbery, and when we got everything back, I just moved all the cyberpunk stuff back here, and now it's in a giant fucking box that weighs more than my car. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of fucking books. Yeah, it is. Um, but uh, uh, between all the comics I had and all that, I, it was the cyberpunk books that... Like, I, I gotta keep those. Um, so, yeah. Uh, they are they are here with me again. Yay! Woo-hoo. They're not in a glorious display of any kind because there's just no fucking room for that. But I can look at them and be happy. So, small favors. Um, any other updates you got? Um, the one thing that I missed was a anime, which I think is coming out on Netflix. It's called Spriggan. Um, I Holy shit. don't know if it's the, full cyberpunk because I think there's alien stuff in it, but okay. it looks very cyberpunky. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go on a rant here. Just forewarning everybody. Was originally uh, like it's a it's a it's an old manga. Uh, I, I think I got um, Viz brought it over under the name Striker in the early nineties, uh, and I fell in love with it then. And then in the late nineties, early two thousands, I don't remember the exact release date. They released the movie, and it's you know it's a Katsuhiro Otomo joint. It's yeah, it came out in ninety ninety eight was I think the original so 
Netflix is okay, doing a series, a series on it. Um, uh, the original movie is one of the... It, it's in my top five or top ten animated anime films of all time. Um, it's that good. And the cyberpunk aspects of it will blow you away. I don't care. If, like, the overall art, the overall plot of the movie has a bunch of supernatural bullshit that really only comes into play at the very end. The rest of the movie is straight-up cyberpunk fucking badassness. Uh, to the point, I mean, you got guys with, like, just watch it. It's so fantastic. So I am so looking forward to this new series, which is a sequel to it. Uh, the art looks, if not the same, similar enough that it won't be jarring. Unlike, say, like standalone complex and then the new CGI standalone complex. It's, it's a major difference. Uh, I hope Spring in France comes back. Because he was the breakout fucking super badass character from the uh, from the first movie. Yeah, I mean, some and of the, the soundtrack was fantastic too. Some of the designs of like the equipment and some of the actions in the trailer just reminds me of um, the original Ghost in the Shell movie. You know. Yeah. Uh, very similar, except the action in Spriggan. There's much more action. And it's done better. Right. Uh, I actually think that the Spriggan movie is a more enjoyable watch than Ghost in the Shell. The movie. Um, Blasphemy. Say what? Blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah, no. You know my opinion. I, I think Mamoru Oshii, as, as beautiful as his animation looks, is actually pretty boring. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, he just has way too many, his movies feature way too much of people standing around talking about politics or philosophy in a really monotone voice that just, he turns his movies into the Russia which is just not what I want to see when I want it to go when I go to an animated movie. Uh, keyword being animated. I want people to move around and be badass. And yes, I'm eternally twelve at heart, but I like what I like. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So I guess that's kind of it for like cyberpunk media news. Um, I really should start getting into like novels and, and doing research on them as well. Um, however, I'm having... novels are tricky because everybody they tend to hold really like ana like movies and anime and comics and video games. Th those are divisive enough, but people get really divisive over over the novels and you know what they represent. And, mm. uh, Everybody loves them, but everybody loves them in different ways, and for different reasons. Yeah, and, and uh, which is thing. a beautiful thing. But there's a whole show per book, basically. Yeah, in each book, you know, everyone's going to have their um, a different take on how a cyberpunk world is going to play out. You know, I mean, looking yeah. at 
<clears throat> Neuromancer versus like uh, Artificial Kid versus Snow Crash. Uh, you know, much much different worlds between those. And how yeah, they and people will people will argue over whether one is cyberpunk or one, or yeah. or not. Um, and I just I don't get involved in those arguments anymore. They just never lead anywhere. Right. I mean, there it, it's it's the same with like Blade Runner. There are people out there who claim Blade Runner's not cyberpunk because the term hadn't been coined yet. Mm. There's just yeah. there's just no arguing with that. There's we're not going to find common ground. Yeah, I would have to disagree with whoever um, made that statement. Yeah, no, no, vehemently I would disagree with whoever made that statement. Cyberpunk be- existed long before the the term was the term was invented. Yeah. And, you know, who is the grandfather of Cyberpunk? It's debatable. Yeah. And everybody wants to say Gibson, but for my money it's it's Dick. Literature wise it's Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Uh, for my money, but uh, the actual like inventor of the genre is Fritz Lang, as far as I'm concerned, with Metropolis. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a whole ball of wax. That I'm glad it's just me and you talking. Otherwise, this whole room would be going up. Well, you could all, actually go all the way back to Frankenstein, right? Um, yeah, yeah, you you could uh, Mary Shelley's. Uh, seminal work. I mean, yeah, so. she is the uh, the fairy godmother of Western science fiction. Um, yeah, we all owe a, we all owe a debt of gratitude towards her. Um, she may not have been the first cyber or, uh, science fiction author. But she was the first cyberpunk science fiction. She was the first one to deal with, uh, you know, the body augmentation and yep. and, and using science yeah. to recreate or reinvigorate life or create life, right? Yeah. Um, what it means. She was the first to ask the question of what it means to be human. Yeah. In a science fiction setting, I would say. Uh because I think the horror aspect was because it's science and unknown and always anything that's not I mean, known in, is scary. In my eyes, science fiction and horror are so closely related that sometimes they're just inseparable. I mean, look at Alien. Yeah. Although I would uh, call Alien cyberpunk. <laughs> no, but it's definitely science fiction. Yes. And uh, it definitely does have cyberpunk elements to it, especially uh, especially the sequel, which I actually prefer to the original, Aliens. Um, I mean, the whole idea that we're sending a crack team of uh, edge runners to go deal with this thing so the company can make profit. Yeah, that's that's, that's the heart of cyberpunk right there. I also really liked um, the third version, or the third installment with the prison you know the, it, it gets everything after the second one just 
continually gets more and more flack. But really, I enjoyed all four movies. Uh, the third one was completely different in tone. I think the biggest complaint people have with that is that they killed uh, they killed Hicks and Newt right at the start of the movie yeah. off screen, and that's that was a boneheaded move. Uh, but the movie itself was solid. It yeah. Well, supposedly um, Gibson was was uh, did uh, the screenplay the original screenplay. Well, he did a, he did a screenplay. What yes. we got doesn't resemble <laughs> exactly. But he was uh, slated actually, as the, the person who was going to screenplay that movie, and he did, and yeah. studio did not like his version. <laughs> Which is weird, because I've read that version, and it's fantastic. You can find it online. Yep. Um, there's also uh, Dark Horse, right before they lost the franchise to Marvel, they put out the William Gibson Alien 3. And... Uh, in comic book form and it's it's fantastic um so if you've ever if you've ever been uh interested in seeing what that would look like you well, know head on down to your comic book store i want to say there's an audio of gibson reading it oh but i could be wrong well that's interesting well i would have to i dig through my annals but i think i came across that where he uh Kind of read it. I know he does. Um, does a version of Neuromancer, unabridged, where he reads. It. Yeah, I heard good things about that. I don't. I don't really do audiobooks. Uh, I used to in the early '90s when I would drive delivery, like interstate. Um, but I haven't really done so. I don't really do it anymore. I just. Yeah. I'd rather have music going in the background. Yeah. Well, so I guess that's it for the state and media of cyberpunk. So let's get into the game itself and possible topics. So uh, we didn't have a planned topic, um, but I think one topic that probably some people, I think I definitely know, have some misconceptions on at least in Cyberpunk 2020. Um, Cyberpunk Red is a little more clearer, but the combat system. Um, so <clears throat> I don't know where we want to start with the combat system, whether we want to talk about the flaws, uh, how you run it, how you can improve it. Um, I know, <laughs> Derek, or Wisdom, you've uh, improved it quite a bit with your UI, IU. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this where uh, sometimes I'll uh, when it comes to this conversation, sometimes I'll be talking about the rules as written, and sometimes I'll be talking about Interlock Unlimited. I'll try and make it clear whichever I'm talking about at the time. Right. Um, but I guess the most important thing I can say about running combat in Cyberpunk is within whatever campaign you're running. Keep the feel of combat consistent. If if you're going to try and run combat and use, use the rules completely as written or whatever rules you have is like hard, fast, like this is how it happens, maintain that. If you're going to run fast and loose with it, 
try and maintain that feeling because they, they it creates two completely different feelings. Um, if you're going to run it like hardcore rules lawyery, like we're going to look up all the shit, your combats are going to be very one, they're going to take longer. Um, they just are. Uh, trying to reference all the rules, even if you memorize all those rules, it's it's going to take longer. It is. Uh, you're also going to run into situations, no matter no matter how well thought out the rules are. And Cyberpunk has some of the best thought out rules for combat I've ever encountered. Even even before I I did Interlock Unlimited. Uh, I mean, the reason I did Interlock Unlimited is because the potential was always there. The system was already just handled drama and combat better than any system I'd played so I'd played before or after. Um, so I just tweaked what was there. That's what Interlock Unlimited does. It was it didn't try and it didn't try and shovel over the path, over what was there. It just enhanced what was there. Yeah, and, um, and recently I saw an interview with Mike Pondsmith. Um, <clears throat> I, d- I don't know if it was a, a, him being interviewed by a YouTuber um, from Poland or if it was one of his game seminars, but basically how he talked about combat uh, and how he developed the system was interesting, right? So he... And some friends who knew how to use guns went to the range and figured out, you know, what are the close proximity of percentage chances to hit something, right? And then also extrapolate, well, if you're under firing conditions, what does that mean? And actually looked up the data on firefights, right, uh, in city streets, Uh and how I mean, they even talk numbers. about that in the original 2020 manual. Like yep. they, they consulted forensics experts and and seasoned police. They talked to the FBI. They they did the research on you know what combat actually is and how it, most gunfights take place in in small confined areas. And even then, most of the gunshots end up missing. Um, and I, I see a lot of debate in some channels about how the combat was written and, well, if, you know, this sharpshooter is able to, you know, put out this many rounds on this many targets in a competition, it's a little different than trying to put that many sh- shots out and hit your target while you're being shot at, Um I mean, it's the classic Bruce Lee line, boards don't hit back. Yeah. So there's that misconception, right, of, well, if this guy can do it in competition, then I should be able to do it in real combat. And I don't think that's always true. I mean... Well, the other thing is the misconception that, hey, he's got a competition gun, that's going to fire that many rounds as quick as possible. Um, yeah, you wouldn't want to take a competition firearm into any kind of combat situation. That's just not what they're there for. Um, I mean, they use them in combat simulations. 
but you don't see a whole lot of like professionals carrying these like super modded out competition style guns because they're just not practical. Yep. Uh, they're they're not meant to take abuse of any kind. They're they're meant to put you know rounds as accurately and as quickly on target as possible. But that's not necessarily what you what you always want in a in a firearm. You want something that can take some abuse, that you know can get dirty, can uh, you, that you don't have to clean it between absolutely every use just to maintain its integrity. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And when we're talking uh, about combat shooters, I mean, sorry, I just wanted to put a caveat. The whole thing. <laughs> oh, go ahead. That what we talk about, some of it might be specific to a certain system, right? Like IU 2020 uh, Red, but we also want to try to keep kind of an overall feel of some of the reasons why in both systems um, why they why why the combat can be, or what we talk about can be applied to hopefully all the systems, right? in these concepts. So. Yeah. Um, the thing with trick shooters is, is they, they train at very specific ranges under very specific circumstances. What they can do uh, setting up for a show while they would still be, they, while they would still probably be impressive in a combat situation, it's not going to be the same thing. Um, the old uh, pistol, tr- I can't remember his name, but he used to do all the trick shooting for Hollywood. He was, uh, There's a few of them out there. Right, but I mean, the the guns they use were, were firing special ammunition. It was, it was lower velocity because it doesn't have to, like, shooting a hole in a quarter doesn't take as much as a, you don't need a fully charged round for that is what I'm trying to get to. Uh, so what you can see from trick shooters is not going to reflect what you can actually do in combat. Um, if your character is an exhibition shooter, then maybe your GM can work some of that into it where you do pull off exhibitions and show off your skill. Uh, but again, combat's going to be a different animal. Now, with Interlock Unlimited, I took a lot of that. With Cyberpunk 2020, it's it, it's very it's very standard and balanced. Uh, most guns they get one shot per round, and that's it. Uh, you can take additional actions at a cumulative negative three penalty, um, and that's that's great. Like it, it still works. It's still it, it still keeps things moving fast, especially in a deadly system like Cyberpunk 2020. With Interlock Unlimited, I took some of that combat shooting and trick shooting. I took that into account, and I added, like, you know, I added the quick action system, which, depending on the weapon you're using, uh, like a handgun would be, you know, a light quick action or a, a, an actual quick action. Uh, depending on your level of skill, you can get off more than one shot before the penalty kicks in. Um, it works with, you know, martial arts as well, depending on 
depending on the type of attack you're going for, you might be able to get off more than one shot before a penalty kicks in. Uh, like a quick punch, you probably pull off one or two of those, depending on your level of skill. Uh, so we tried to take that into account. But, like, shooting 20 times in three seconds, I, I've seen trick sh shooters do that. You'll never be able to pull that off in combat with any kind of effectiveness. Yep. You can throw rounds down range, but that's an entirely different animal. <clears throat> yeah, and um, going back to that interview with Mike, he basically, you know, was was saying about how he developed Red originally with Cyberpunk 2020. He tried to make it very, um, I forget the exact term, but a simulation, right? I know there's a yeah a term that that's simulationist. Well, that's, it's that's not a simulationist, but there's. A game when you're dealing dealing with game mechanics, simulator craft or something like that. I don't know. It was it's a made up word, but anyways, how he took 2020 and then he went from red to I wanted more simplified, right? Uh, version of how I can do combat uh, and yeah. try to get that away. And he always came. Well, what he said was if players choose to you know hey you just want a quick combat system use red if you want to go into simulation craft i think, I think that was the term um they you know players have the option of going to 2020 um and and sure. tweaking it even more or if you want to even get go one step further you can always use iu um i mean that's what interlock unlimited is for is yeah to provide that level of, I mean, it's not, it's not GURPS. It's not, it's not that level of realistic. It's, I, I tend to run games, uh, under what I term cinematic realism, where yeah. it's not necessarily real world realism. It's more like shit you see in movies realism where, you know, shooting a car still has a chance to actually make it explode. Or you can jump off rooftops without. Yeah. Yeah. You um, you can do the the dive off the rooftop into the swimming pool from uh, lethal weapon like that. Those things are still possible. Whereas in real life, you're just going to die if you do that. <laughs> and I think new uh, players and new referees really want to keep combat simplistic in the beginning. Well, yeah, that's. Um, I mean, that's that's the modern ethos towards gaming is the whole like the hobby has moved further and further into simplicity uh let the players fill in the blanks themselves um like that that's the modern ethos in game mm. you know, it started with like savage worlds uh to the mm. point where you know there are very popular games right now that are just they're almost pure narrative yeah but i don't know if that's necessarily true i think it's the maturity of the players and the referee on how well they can handle combat and it's just like learning how to ride a bike right you have training wheels you use them for so long and then you want a little more and you take them off and you start adding in you know the bells and whistles and other things to your bike to make them to basically pimp out your bike um and you want to build on that experience i think 
<clears throat> some players and some referees try, you know, they get a system, they see all these rules, and they think they have to use every single rule. Uh, in the- oh, yeah, that's always been a problem. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about at the beginning, is you can run a game like that, but it's going to be slow. Uh, you don't have to use every rule. Um, and in fact, with Interlock Unlimited, I state that right off the bat. These are here. All these rules are here if you need them for whatever situation arises. But you don't have to use them. You can omit them. You can replace them. Use what works for you. Uh, because there are going to be times, no matter what, where you're just going to want to simplify things down. Hell, I do it in the games I run all the time. Yep. Um if the player is doing something or if it affects the player, the rules come into come into play way more than if it's something the players are doing to NPCs. Because the NPCs don't need that level of detail. Like if the NPC, if a, if a goon gets shot, you don't need the same level of detail that is, like it's not as important as if a PC gets shot. You know what I mean? Um, because the player is heavily invested in that PC, you want to make sure that there are rules to cover whatever situation he finds himself in. Like, if you get shot in the foot, what's that actually going to do to him? Um, if the NPC gets shot in the foot, well, he's either going to fall down or he's going to limp. Um, it, you don't need to go into much more detail than that, other than, you know, just storytelling wise, it has an effect. Uh, other people have different philosophies. Other people want the whole gamut of rules applied to every situation. And like I said, that slows things down. And that often leads um, God to... God knows I used to be one of those. Yeah, and that can very quickly lead into players not liking it, right? Or, yeah, or player <clears throat> fatigue. Yeah. And it also leads into it's, if one player starts taking over the combat... You know, you, yeah. As for just one action, you can spend five to ten minutes on just that one player, and that which, applies to yeah, which can yeah, um, and that applies to every game I've ever played. Like, there's always going to be that one player who just has min maxed his character to be a, a turn hog. Uh, one of my best friends had a oh some D and D third edition 3.5 character it was like this whirling dervish he got like he got like 15 freaking attacks around so we'd spend like we'd get done with our turn in like one or two minutes he'd spend 15 minutes per turn telling us what he was doing and a couple of times it was great fun it was fun to watch it was fun to witness I'm sure it was fun for him to roll, but, you know, after a while, that shit became tedious. Um, especially in a larger group. Like, in a larger group, you definitely want to move things along. And I think that's why uh, the ethos of gaming has moved more towards simplified combat. Right. Uh, is because most people want to play in larger groups. I prefer smaller groups where, you know, his whirling dervish character would be completely in line with what's going on. Um, so, yeah, pick pick what figure figure out what combat is going to work best for the group you're running and the con- and the campaign you're running 
and keep that consistent. Even beyond the rules, like figure out in your head what you want combats to look and feel like. Like I said, I, I like to run very uh, cinematic, realistic combats. I want them to flow like they're in an action movie. Even if the game itself is a highly is a is a dramatic game, where combat is rare, I still want when it does break off to you know be dynamic and I want player choice. I want every I want their attacks to have effects. I want uh, if they're having a martial arts fight, I want it to feel like a martial arts movie. Uh, like a, you know, like a Tony Jaa or an Iko Iwaz, uh fight scene, like the knife fights in Raid the Redemption. Yeah. Um, or if it's a gunfight, like sometimes I want it to be a more realistic, uh, like Black Hawk Down style gunfight, or sometimes I want John Woo, guns akimbo, just blah 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 blah. Like figure out what you want your campaign to feel like, and and keep that keep that fairly consistent yeah and there, there's definitely ways to speed the action up um yeah a couple of things that i can give as advice uh one and it's, it's something that i think our friend seth skorkowski <laughs> um mentioned was on page 99 of the cyberpunk manual there is a cheat sheet of combat print that out <laughs> get a copy of it oh my have god yes shit out make sure every player has a copy make sure you've got a copy in front of you yep yeah by all means that um when i uh yeah no that's when i had my gaming table i god i miss my gaming table every player had their own cubby and in that cubby was a cheat sheet for every single player it it there were actually two copies there was one in the binder that i gave them uh to keep the characters in and whatnot and then there was one uh, laminated that they could just easily reference and lay down on the table in front of them next to their dice tray. I, I yes. cannot, I, I, I cannot agree with you more that having a, a cheat sheet of what characters can accomplish in a round, especially in, as far as combat goes, how important that is. The other thing, GM is, screens are not just for GMs. Yeah, no, they are not. Um, the other thing is out of all the various combat rules you might find, and this applies for all the versions of Cyberpunk, is understand or know the difficulty levels, right? Point blank is 10, yes. close is 15, medium is 20, and also know or have a vague idea of the range, right, and which <clears throat> which applies, right? So even though you might want to go specific, right, and look up all the modifiers and apply all those modifiers, if you know the general difficulty number, just throw the dice, right? And if you yeah, want to look exactly. up the, no the exact numbers, the dice might, you know, if the dice aren't even hitting or getting close to that target number or are well above that target number, then you kind of know, oh, yeah, sure. You can hand wave and say, "Yeah, you hit." Um, if it's yeah, very just set tight... up the DC in your head, and yeah, like you're saying, you just go from there. Yeah, and if it's um, a very tight and crucial combat, and you do want the specifics, 
if the number's close, then yes, that's when you want to pause in combat and do the quick calculation. Yeah, that means, I mean, if the sniper is setting up that shot that's going to make or break, you know, whatever's going on, it's super important, you know, got to take out the bad guy now. Uh, add up every single one of those modifiers. Um, throw out all the difficulty that you can on your side and let him add every freaking positive modifier that he can. What I will say, uh, I don't remember where I first heard this from, but it's it's one of my friend's favorite quotes. Uh, he's also a GM. Players don't remember uh, negative modifiers to their character. <laughs> but damn sure they remember positive modifiers. Yeah. So when it comes to the negative modifiers, you keep that shit to yourself. You just add that shit onto yourself, make it, write it down on a scratch piece of paper, whatever. Uh They'll handle the bonuses. You handle the negatives. Yep. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that keeps combat going is the player needs to know the rules he's trying to do. And usually, amen this, to that. Usually, this is applied into you know the special combat scenarios like martial arts. <clears throat> um, Using like a sh well, shotguns are even more vague, but certain certain special, special weapon, yeah, special weapon, special, special effects, they should know that, right? And you should at least have a vague understanding of it as a referee, so that way you it's, it's, also know if the players <laughs> spouting bullshit, right? Yeah, it's gotten to the point that if, if my characters have, if my players have a character who has like something special something obscure you write the fucking book and page number of that of the description of that uh you write that down somewhere if you're looking online on like uh the ref book and you're just using that as a reference well you go find you go look at that book because i can give you a copy of whatever like i've got every book out there and you're not not every gm is going to have that i understand in that case, my suggestion would be to limit what players can have to the books that are available. Um, if they say they've got a book at home and they want to use stuff out of that book, well, they need to bring that book with them when they come to game. Yep. Um, because stopping everything to, like, search for, you know, well, what is the gas effect of this uh, Sleep-O-Matic Mark Seven gas bullet Blah blah blah. Like, yeah, and, and that's, have that information ready. Yeah, and it's tolerable in the beginning, right? As you're learning to play, as the players are learning sure, to play, um, you are going to have that, right? Combat is definitely going to drag because you're always thinking, "Oh, I need to, I want to learn the rules," right? Which is which is different than, you know in the situation in which you've learned the rules and now you have a player who and th and that's that's where it gets even I'm going to add a little more to that where the player not only does he not know his specific rules or his special rules but the player who's just only pays attention when you call on them um, oh yeah too many times I've had too many players who that's their situation, right? They they tone out for the rest of the combat and then wake up when it's their turn. And number one, 
they ask what's going on. What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? Right. So obviously you're not paying attention to, to what's going on. So you're wasting time catching up on what it is. And then they then take however many minutes. Oh, let me figure out what I want to do. Right. Um, and many of these problems go hand in hand. Like when you've got when you've got a character who's just performing crazy actions that are super time consuming, it's you're gonna then have players who zone out and they're like, "Well, oh, man, wake me up when he's fucking done." It's it 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 goes hand in hand. So you can have these players. You just have to manage them. And to me, it's it's not to yeah, and and I've managed them and. To me, you know, that's a sign of disrespect to not only the referee, but also all the players around the table. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I say that as someone who's been guilty of it. Like, yeah. it is, it is, it, the disrespect is never intentional, um, at least not with any group I've ever been a part of, because if it were intentional, they wouldn't be invited yeah. back. But, yeah, it is disrespectful, and, um... One you way, be courteous yeah. to your to your players. Yeah, and one way in order for that player to learn is if they you allow them to do it once, and then you say, "Okay, we'll do this." Understand when I next next turn when I come around to you, if you start asking questions or you start fumbling around that you're thinking that's what your character's doing. Um. My brother was, my brother was super bad at this way back in the day. Uh, hell, I've had lots of players who were super bad at this, but the uh, the best solution I've ever come up with for that is I've got uh, a little egg timer, just one of the little cheap dealies that come with so many board games, uh, just like a little two minute egg timer. Or one minute. I don't. I don't know how much time is on it. I just know that you know when that egg timer runs out, when the sand in the hourglass is gone, so your turn is over. Whether you've told me what you're doing or not, that's what you get when it's your turn. Um, that was the best solution to that I ever came up with, or I ever came across. Uh, it's fair. It's consistent. Uh, it doesn't single them out any more than anybody else. Um, and importantly, it doesn't create any kind of conflict or drama above board at the table. Like, if everybody's got to follow this rule, then there's nothing to argue about. Yep. There's no, uh, there's nobody who's going to get butthurt feelings about it for being, uh, picked on or whatever, um. So if you're having a problem with your players taking too much time, that's the best solution. Now, actually resolving the roles and whatnot, that's, that could be, that could, you know, take up considerably more time, but actually the the character needs to have a decision as to what actions they're going to perform. Right. In that period of time. Um, also understand things to speed up combat and at least in in 2020 um red is a little more difficult because they have hit points now but uh the one good thing about red was oftentimes you know uh someone had an assault rifle 
and they rolled a one for location. Good chance, unless they're you know in full metal gear, I was I would often wave it and be like, okay, that NPC has his head shot off, right? Yeah, because, you, you don't need to. You you don't you roll that damage first because that's the one that's going to kill him. Yep. Um, or depending on the gun, if it like you said, if it's an assault rifle, a bullet to the head, you don't have to roll damage if you don't want to. We can just move on from there. Yeah. Um, and we said something earlier about beginning players and uh you know them not knowing where the what what where the rules for their special attacks come in. That's why I keep for beginning players, new players, uh I always just limit them to the main book. That's that's the best solution I can find unless it's like a nomad campaign or something like that. Uh and then I'll have special caveats, but yeah, and if, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No worries. That. And if it's a non-important NPC, if they start getting into areas in which they have to make death saves, um, then the NPC's dead. Uh, <clears throat> only time you would probably want to yeah. do that is if it's I a mean, major NPC, right? He may not be... I mean, they may not be dead, but they're definitely out of combat. They're not a fucking threat anymore, and so you just move on. You treat them as if they're dead. Um, unless your players are just particularly bloodthirsty and have to, you know, make sure nobody's left breathing and go along and double tap each victim in the head. Uh, once they're, once they're incapacitated, they're just for all intents and purposes dead. Well, one of the interesting concepts of, uh, cyberpunk, both in red and 2020 was when you loot the body, you looted the body. Um, I've had <laughs> plenty of players who, you know, as soon as the person got down to the ground, they would put out, pull out either a, a machete or some type of uh, bladed weapon and start hacking. Specifically I've, for I've cyberware only had... or go to the body bank <laughs> with the, what they could. With the bits. Yes. I, I've only ever had one, one group who was that bloodthirsty. And, uh, yeah, so I played that up to the point that one of the players started having nightmares about his own character <laughs> and just how bloodthirsty he was. I was like, well, you know, this is the this is the hole you guys have dug yourself into, so if you don't like those feelings, well, maybe stop running your character like that. Well, what I ended up doing is having humanity loss for, for the yeah, mentality that they were doing. Like, you're a humanity I mean, seven? Or, or your empathy is a seven? Yeah, we're gonna need didn't, to take didn't some I damage on that. You go over there and hack that like fourteen-year-old cyber arm off so you could pedal it for a, a, a new pair of shoes. Yeah. yeah, you don't have a sense of empathy, buddy. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, even beyond empathy, I mean. Post-traumatic stress. This shit's real. Uh, you know, character's going to start waking up in cold sweats. He's going to be having nightmares. Um, he's going to see, you know, people on the street that remind him of his victims. And, uh, like, you may not want to get into all that with your games. You may want to keep it light and simple, and that's that's your thing. But the options are always there. Uh, 
make your combat have repercussions. Um, be they psychological, be they, you know, uh, you know, world events that happen, like suddenly the police, like every cop in the city is looking for you because they think you're a serial killer. Like we walked into a room full of bodies and everybody was chopped into bits. Like there is, there is some crazy, you know, voodoo shit going on. And if you've seen any of these people that match this description, turn them in for hefty reward. Like make your shit have repercussions. Yep. That will, that will help your combat out a lot. And also with your NPCs, play them towards their intelligence, right? Um, mooks aren't going to be that smart, so oftentimes they'll be, you know, doing stupid things and doing stupid actions, which will cost them their lives. Um, psychopaths are probably going to be a little more aggressive, right? Uh, people with low MP empathy might be a little more aggressive. Um, the ones with high cool and high intelligence, play them smart. Uh, I remember in one encounter, you know, or one combat situation, you know, I players were tailing this guy. He went ducked down an alley because he noticed that they were tailing him. And they turned the corner and, you know, he luckily he had well, he was a borged up guy <clears throat> and he had the um i forget which legs it is but basically he he jumped up into the fire escape and traveled up a couple stories and watched them come in and when they ducked around the corner or looked around the corner they didn't see him immediately and that's when he spent a turn while they're like creeping down the alleyway looking for him not looking up because you always want to have your players say exactly what they're doing. Um, he yeah. just spent the time taking an aim shot on the lead player, and boom. Um, in addition to what you're saying, make your NPCs all about self-preservation. Um, when shit starts going sideways, have your NPCs fucking retreat. Have them run away. Because uh, I guarantee you that if I go in there with a group of dudes and, like, uh, we turn the corner and four of my buddies around me just drop instantly, I'm not going to stay and fight. I'm going to turn around and run. Because whatever that is, I'm not facing it by myself. And I'm not even going to try. If I can get out of there, I'm going to get out of there. And NPCs would do the same thing. Yep. Um, sure, you might get a super like badass NPC who sticks around and finishes the fight. But your average freaking mooks, gang members on the street, they're not going to do that. Yep. They're going to value their own lives. And I, I don't remember the specifics on the rules, but back in uh, Cyberpunk 2013, you had rules about combat right if you've never been in combat you had i'm not sure if you had to make a cool test yeah you had to make some tests but will or like the stat is you had to roll under your cool will or you know be a quivering pile of jello in the floor or that dude running his ass off down the street um to maintain like you had to have a high cool to be effective in combat it wasn't just a fucking dump stat 
Yeah, and that's another mechanic that you can use as a referee, especially with NPCs, is if the party basically slaughters half of the opposition, you know, make a general cool roll. What is, what is the other half going to do, right? If the, if you yeah. roll a d10 and it's higher than all of their cools, good chance they're going to be running. And you don't have to roll for every individual uh, combatant. You just make a group roll. If yep. there's a dude who's bad or ass in there, you can have him do whatever you want. But the majority of those dudes, like I said, self-preservation. They're going to want to live. Yeah, and not every NPC is going to hold up under interrogation. Um, they're not like some of the dudes. They'll just be like, "Look, I want to live. I'll tell you whatever the fuck you want to know. Don't fucking bring out the pliers. Leave my toenails <laughs> where they are." Yeah, and and um, when you're making yeah. like saves like that, and for like for example, maybe there's a gas attack. You don't necessarily have to make a save for every NPC that is affected. You can make a general NPC or a group save uh, and use yeah. that one role. <clears throat> and depending upon the NPCs, you could also base it off of those NPC stats. For example, uh, most of the NPCs that are the combatants have a cool 5, and you have one that has like a cool 8, you roll a d10. You roll a six, so all the cool five guys are running off, or they failed their save, or whatever. But the one individual yeah. that had a higher score, you can set aside, and he continues the combat. Um. Yeah, keep your keep your PCs. Uh, keep your self preservation high. Um, just have them react realistically to situations. They're not always going to fight to the bitter end. That's a. I didn't used to see that as much before, like video games became a, a, a like a everyday thing. Like the basically the three D video games where you can like Cyberpunk, where you can just go in and s slaughter every enemy. So you do that every time. You make sure that every last one of those motherfuckers is taken care of. Yep. before you even go on to do the objective because it's fun but in like in a tabletop game it's not not necessarily feasible once they start noticing their buddies are dying um, they're going to act in with self-interest yep. uh, or at the very least they're not just going to be dumbasses about um, Yeah. So. Uh, other things on combat. Um, again, good reference is listen up, you primitive screwheads. There is one section that talks about how to use tactics, uh, especially from those who have been trained in combat and how they would set up ambushes. Um, yeah. You got to use that <laughs> warily, right? So, if your players are cool with their characters getting slaughtered and don't mind rolling up new characters, use some of those tactics. If your players are the kind who 
cherish their characters and put too much uh, value on them, you might want to tone back. And and I guess that's something that wisdom. Have, have, do you pull punches with certain groups? I mean, I've played with a lot of different people, and some of them are better able to handle that stuff than others. Um, I've I played with. I don't want to say. I've played with people who are very naive when it comes to, you know, the way the world works, the way combat works. And I've played with, like, actual veterans, like combat veterans who've seen action. And they, like, it's a, it's a different experience. What they expect is different. And you'd be surprised where those lines skew as far as how realistic they want their fights and all that. But at the end of the day, know your group, communicate with your group. Uh, you'll be you'll be aware of just how attached they are to their characters. Um, and as if you're a good GM, you'll be kind of attached to their characters too because you're putting as much effort into their story as they are. Um, so in some games, yeah, I'm a little bit more lenient. Uh, I'm never going to use the dirty trick section against PCs. That's... You've heard me rail about that in the past. I just... Here's the thing. I mean, the, to me, there's no difference between saying, okay, well, this guy parked up on a rooftop and sniped you from, like, two blocks over uh, out of the blue, so roll me up a new PC. There's no difference between that and dropping an elephant on their head. It's it's just it's not fair to the player. It's, it's just kind of a dick move. Um... You've got to give them some measure of control over... I'm not going to say even say control. Awareness of what might happen to them. Uh, like, you can set that guy up on the rooftop two blocks away. Um, but then you've got to... Your characters are the stars of this movie. So they've got to have... Like, maybe they see the glint of the scope in the sun maybe uh you know it, it would be unrealistic for a sniper to use a laser sight but maybe they see the little red dot you know climbing across and they have time to react so that's just how i would deal with the players even i'm not ever gonna have problematic players at my table that i feel i need to break out dirty tricks to deal with for me i'll just tell them to leave um if if after repeated conversations about you know that's not really we don't do that kind of thing at my table. You're being a jerk, blah, blah, blah. If they're a problematic player uh, and conversation doesn't work, they just won't be invited back. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, in the to answer your question, yeah, sometimes I pull punches. Um, sometimes don't tell anyone in my group this, but for the more sensitive players, sometimes I've been known to fudge a die roll or two in their favor. Not not to help them succeed in any task, but you know maybe maybe that headshot becomes an arm shot. Maybe that maybe the the four sixes I rolled on damage maybe they go down to threes. Just I know there are a lot of people who are like I always roll in the open, and that's great. That's that's absolutely fantastic. Um, 
some players, particularly new players, uh, there are philosophies where, you know, if their characters die, that, that teaches them early on. Mm-hmm. But it might also teach them not to like the game. Yep. Like, I spent all this time and effort and emotional attachment to this character just for a silly mistake or a, like a, a like a side combat to kill them off like that. Yeah, that can be that can be very frustrating to new players. Hell, that can be frustrating to veteran players. Um, so yeah, sometimes I pull punches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it with the more experienced players, it, it happens much less frequently. Uh, but it's been known to happen, right? Um, and and I do pull punches at least in the beginning. Uh, when the game is starting, because I, yeah. I don't want to lose characters too quickly. But once... <laughs> Party kill first session. Like, great. Now your campaign's over. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and and how do you continue on with that? So um, I definitely do that. Uh, I will also pull punches if uh, a death shouldn't happen at that particular time point in the story right yeah um a mugging should not i mean kill the character it, it should definitely mess them up but it's it should not be a, a fatality that that goes beyond that um so donna trace says uh how do you deal or if the player is being having reckless abandonment, and should they pre- be prepared to accept the cons or repercussions of that abandonment? Um, yeah, they should accept those con- consequences. And yeah, absolutely. I've had players who do that, right? I've had players where, for example, NCPD rolls up on them, and they were doing something bad. And NPC or the NCPD said, "Freeze! Drop your weapons!" And they decided to say "F you" and started blasting. Well, guess what? <laughs> Those characters yeah. didn't la- last very long. I mean, there's there's reckless abandon and there's stupid. Um, yep. And sometimes the two are pretty closely related. But yeah, if your character is, if you've got a player whose character is running around just acting like a jackass, there's going to be consequences. If you roll up into the, if you roll up on Maelstrom uh, and start shit, well, be prepared for, you know, some borged out crazy motherfuckers to just go ape shit on your ass. Yeah. Uh, there are combats you're not going to win. Um, not necessarily that combat, but in in general, there are combats that you're not going to come out of if you if you go in without any kind of plan. If you start shit, you're not going to last long. If you yeah, if you act the fool, there are repercussions. Um, Vampire bites um, talks about a situation in which. NPCs or the PCs do some sniping from two blocks away and shouldn't the NPCs do it? Yeah. Um, If the NPCs, again, based on the NPCs intelligence, you know, play the NPCs based on their intelligence. If they're 
have an intelligence of four or five, they're not the brightest tools in the shed, or the sharpest tools in the shed, as it were. Um, and but I mean, there is a there is a fundamental difference between an NPC and a PC. Yep. PCs have PC glow. Um, where an NPC sniper, an NPC sniper can be as super stealthy as he wants to be if his target is another NPC. Um, if his target is a PC, then yeah, those checks are going to come in and the PC is going to have a chance. The PC, if, you know, he can get away with uh, a lot more than the NPC can, the NPC will still have the chance to notice him, but that DC is going to be much higher depending on, uh, you know, what the PC is going to do in that situation. Um, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, PC glow exists. It's not a catch-all, but it's there, and it's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. um, accurate and kibbled. Uh, I always remember that a referee is not there to take out PCs left and right, but provide a challenge. Yep, yeah, I agree. Um, Amen, one hundred percent. We have uh, we have both spoken at length about the problem. About just how toxic adversarial GMs are. Yep. And it doesn't, it definitely doesn't work um, because you're going to lose players. So uh, you definitely want to be a more lenient type, type of GM. And again, like I, like I was saying, it, it all, when a player death happens, it should be dramatic or, or be related to the story, right? And it shouldn't be a, a fruitless or wasted death. Um, so yeah, and and that's what you want to always keep in mind when, you, when you're doing combat. I mean, and keep in mind, everything we're saying, this is personal experience. By no means are we... Are we claiming to cover every situation. There are lots of groups out there that absolutely want, you know, it, it, it to be as hardcore as humanly possible. They they live to be able to tell people, well, we survived this dungeon that, you know, everybody else was suffering a total party kill. Uh, there are groups out there that, that are like that. And by all means, they their fun is every bit as valid as ours. We're speaking in generalizations. We're speaking from our personal experience and what works for us. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really want to run that game, but there are lots of people who do. Uh, just, just not to derail everything, but just to throw that out there that you know we don't try to, we don't profess to speak for everybody. Yep. Yeah. Um... Yeah, vampire uh, adversarial GMs are a huge problem. Um, especially to beginning characters. Uh, the goal is to make it... The goal is for everybody to have fun. Uh, and I think at the you, end of the day, that should be the goal of every game you run. Yeah, and adversarial GMs, you, you're definitely going to encounter them from a maturity level. Not only as a as as their experience with gaming, but also with their um, 
real life maturity level, right? Yeah. Um, new GMs, new players will get caught up into that, right? Because <clears throat> they don't understand quite the concepts yet of what tabletop role playing is, right? So it, it'll turn into that. And again, a lot of new players and a lot of new refs are coming from a stance of, I've been playing computer games, and computer games are very adversarial. So the, they have that habit that eventually they'll break, or they will not play the game tabletop anymore and continue playing computer games. Um, yeah. So there is that situation. Um, but yeah. I, I mean... A bad GM, a bad player in your group is just going to make things kind of uncomfortable for a little bit unless he's, like, super toxic. Yep. But a bad GM can kill everybody at the table's interest in gaming as a whole. I've seen it happen. It's tragic every time because, um, I mean, I want people to enjoy this hobby. I want people to have a good time and tell stories together. Uh but if your first experience at playing a role-playing game is unpleasant, well, you're probably not going to come back. Yeah, and especially if you're if you're in a group and it's a new GM, let them fail with combat and how combat was run, and might leave a bitter taste in your mouth that you know, hey, he didn't know this rule or he. A referee might have outruled me. Again, it all depends on the maturity level of that referee. Both maturity and game experience and life. But make it a learning experience for both of you, right? Absolutely. There are lots of ways that failing in a combat... It doesn't have to be fatal. It doesn't have to... It doesn't have to be the death of the character. It can, it, it can have other repercussions. I mean, like being captured. It's cyberpunk. being captured, having a limb blown off, uh, suffering some type of you know injury that is has long term effects. Uh, Post traumatic stress. Maybe you know they threw the grenade wrong and it you know landed in you know a table full of nuns next door. Who knows? I'm just saying there are ways to fail that don't involve killing the character. And a lot of with adversarial GMs that they don't ever seem to take that into account. Like you failed. Well, the worst possible thing can always happen to you. Yep. And again, with combat, <clears throat> try to be quick in the beginning and learn, slowly learn the rules, but, Always keep that in mind that you always want to keep combat going um, and quickly. Um, right now we're at an hour 40 minutes. Um, you got anything else you want to talk about when it comes to combat? Well, my last bit of advice for combat is it's how I run. And the way I run combat is I have players 
describe to me with as much detail as cinematically as possible what their action is going to be. It makes it more memorable for everybody involved. It, it makes it more fun. If, if all your player does is say, well, I'm going to shoot that guy, that's valid. If that's all the character wants to do, that's fine. But if he says, you know, I want to flip over or uh, like roll over this table, duck behind the couch and, you know, pop a shot off the guy's left shoulder, take that shit into account. Don't be afraid to let your players roll with it. In fact, the one thing I hate more than anything else in gaming is when my GM tells me what my character is doing. I, I, uh, other people are okay with it. I can't stand it. I can come up with my own cool descriptions of what I want my character to do. Uh, you can embellish on that and tell me what the effects of those actions are. But, yeah, as a GM, have your, have your players describe in cinematic terms what they're going to do. Um, it may sound like it would slow things up, but it slows them down in a good way that creates a much more memorable situation uh, that the characters or that the player can get his head behind that, that you guys can. Yeah. It just, it's more fun. Yeah. That's, that's my last bit of advice. Yep. I totally agree. And again, it, it, when it comes to combat in the beginning, when you're learning the system, it's a learning experience. So, you should always take that into consideration. Um, always. And it's not only a learning experience, it's also a teaching experience if you're a veteran. Right? Oh, you didn't know this rule. Give yeah. a description of it. The rule doesn't necessarily have to be played out in that, in that particular time period. You can always wait and you can always discuss afterwards. That's... That's one thing that <clears throat> um, took me quite a few years in, in role-playing to, to learn is don't stop the action to look up a rule. Um, unless, exactly. That, unless it's mm. you don't understand or don't know the rule at all, right? As a GM, you kind of want to know a general rule, but always go under your assumptions. And as a ref... You can always say, hey, we'll just play it out this way. In my interpretation of that rule, we'll do it this way. We can talk about it after the game. Um, too many times I've bogged down, as a GM, bogged down the, the, the action because I wanted to learn all the rules. And as I got older, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I can't memorize every single rule with every single sentence. Um and some players will know all the rules and always interpret it their way. Um, and that's something that I think will always be there is players will always read a rule which benefits them. Um, my, my, my ruling on that is uh, except for situations where it's absolute life or death for your character... We don't argue about rules at the table. Yep. Um, if you have a problem with one of my rulings, bring it up to me later and we'll see what we can do to address it. But don't argue with me about a rule at the table. Yep. And always be consistent. It's another point in combat. Yeah. Um, Consistency and communication. 
don't uh, don't change or make special rules depending upon the particular player or the particular NPC. Because um, you'll alienate your players if you decide to blatantly they will absolutely <laughs> fudge the rule, <laughs> fudge the rules right in front of them to save this NPC that you've been creating for the past month and he's supposed to survive combat. However, you roll the one, you hit him in the head and he's gone. Yeah. <clears throat> That's just the way it is. Yep. Um, all right. So you got any closing comments? Uh, that, that pretty much was my closing comment. Right. Uh, just, uh, yeah. So keep your combat on our next episode. We will be covering, and I know I said that, I think the last time we met was we will be covering uh home of the brave, the source book of America in 2020. Um, it's a good one. Yep. And we're going to be diving. I mean, into they're all that. good, but yep. we're going to be diving into that book, uh, in our next episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, until then, uh, I am Cyber Smiley. You can catch my work on Cyber Smiley without the E at the end, dot net. Uh, I have uh, various utilities for Red 2020 uh, on my site that you can use and abuse and love to hear feedback on them. Uh, you can also find me hanging out on the various uh, Cyberpunk discords. There's Quite a few of them to list, but I'm mostly on most of them. Also, hang out on the Reddits for Cyberpunk Red in 2020. I am Wisdom, otherwise known as Derek Bernier. You can find my work at Data Fortress 2020, the largest and most comprehensive Cyberpunk 2020 website there is. Uh, it is home to full source books, gear books, and uh, many rules, including the home, including it's the uh, home of Interlock Unlimited. Um, so check that out. You can also catch me on Facebook. Uh, my name is Derek Bernier. Um, you can catch me sometimes on Discord, uh, or you can just email me at any time at wisdom at gmail dot com. Um, please. Please keep in touch if you have any questions for us, if you have any uh, suggestions as to what you'd like us to cover. Yep. Um, by all means, get a hold of us and let us know. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, I'd like to dot, uh, thank uh, Rob Mulligan of Cyberpunk Nation uh, for hosting us as well as supporting us. And happy birthday, Rob. What are you, 25 happy now? Happy birthday, Rob. <laughs> all uh, right you are good people thank you for hope yeah well. all right talk to all you guys later bye night